Welcome to Signify Lighting Talks. Signify's purpose is to explore and unlock the extraordinary potential of light for sustainable and brighter lives in a better world. How we design our environment plays an important role in sustainability. Today's episode looks back at ancient wisdom and the traditional way of life and how we can apply these to our goal of sustainability. We have here with us Fancy George, the CEO of Thomas Workplace, to talk about how ancient wisdom can inspire sustainable thinking and circular designs. Thank you for inviting me to give this session uh, on ancient wisdom and traditional way of life. Uh, this is something that is honestly very, very, very close to my heart because, uh, you know, we are living in this world right now where the, the, there's a lot of questions on exactly what what is what is correct and what is the right way to live our lives what is the right way to design what is the right thing to do and a lot of these questions happened when you know during the pandemic we just have to sit back at home and we're all pretty sitting very very still wondering about this there were a lot of questions that went through our heads and i think a lot of us have come out of it and we've started re-questioning a lot of what we do the way we live our lives the kind of foods we eat the kind of designs that are coming out you know, the way we are designing and so on and so forth. When we put in this word, I mean, what is traditional, what is modern, and we search for this online, and this is what it, it pops up as. Traditional means societies or elements of societies that are small scale and are derived from indigenous and often ancient cultural practices. And modern refers to practices that relate to the industrial mode of production or the development of large scale often often colonial societies, right? So, I mean, you know, these are some of the things that we kind of question all the time. But for me, what I want to do today is like run through some of the things that, you know, uh, we have gone through as kids. And, you know, there's been a lot of uh, questions on, on that coming up now in terms of the fact that we used to watch our grandmothers or our grandmothers used to tell us stories about the way they used to live their life, the miles they used to walk, the kind of foods that they used to eat. And it was always something that, you know, we took for granted. And then as we grew older and older, we just kind of lost out on a lot of those things and now we're coming back to it thinking why are we not doing that anymore and literally the other thing that used to happen is like traditionally nothing was thrown out of our homes right these are towels that were there and if, if we had to uh, uh, reuse it we would reuse it again there was nothing that went back into the garbage old towels were taken cut into little rags and then they were used to mop floors and then, you know, just just it just went on and on. We kept reusing everything, right? Vegetables, fruits, all of those things were grown in our backyards. And this is literally our terraces were used for stuff like this. And, uh, you know, I uh, when I talk to my grandmom, right? She keeps talking or used to talk to my grandmom. She's not al uh, alive anymore. There used to be these fruit trees outside. And then the kind of fruits that were growing in their backyards from chiki to, you don't get it in the market these days, but there was things like champakas. And then nowadays you talk to your kids about it and they tend to wonder, what are you talking about, right? BKS Iyengar, for instance, and he's a yoga practitioner and he, and he, uh, uh, he actually uh, made yoga quite popular in the West, right? When he started doing it, literally nobody knew about it, but now almost the whole world seems to know what he's talking about. It literally is talking about uh, bringing your mind 
uh, to the present and then making sure that you're you are looking inwards all the time and that's what the yoga practice is all about and um, and look at water for instance like traditionally one of the things that used to happen is that these are the ancient step wells in india there were a lot of them and this is the way water was stored in many of uh, if you see most uh, temples there are these step wells that are there that used to actually store water and this is the way water was stored a lot so if we have to break this down to some extent right what we need to do at least that we feel is like we need to go back to basics we look at the way everybody used to i mean our ancestors used to live their lives even like 20 to 30 years back the way our grandmothers and parents used to live their life they always have a lot of stories to tell about the miles they used to walk and you know the kind of things that they used to do um i just wanted to start this by looking at the food on your table for instance right this is actually uh we narayanan what what these guys do is this is standard chartered for instance right they've got a terrace and on the terrace they grow a lot of vegetables and fruits and chili and so on and so forth just recently in fact the ceo came down and he was like totally surprised to see what was happening on the terrace out there maybe this is something that we need to do i mean we have a lot of uh you know place or ground or terraces that are unused maybe this is something that you need to do to what they do actually is like take the chilies that are grown on their terraces and give it to uh, orphanages and stuff like that because they feel like they can afford food so why not give it to somebody who actually needs it right and i think some of the things that we need to question really is what is it the kind of foods that we have so that was one thing second of course is the kind of foods that we have in a cafeteria for instance right uh there is a very standard way of just uh buying or you know put uh, uh serving food in the cafeterias that are just absolutely uh it's not too nutritious maybe there's a lot of oil in it and then nobody's really questioning the ingredients that's going into this so traditionally what would happen is like you know the the food used to be the foods that were grown in the farms were like things like millets and there were so many varieties of it now it's come down to just a few that is like mass produced and that's what we are seeing in uh, on our plates these days so maybe this is another thing that we need to question like you know possibly look at foods that are like grown um in our backyards or close to us in farms close to us and not really having to get that exotic fruit that's coming all the way from uh, another country and then farm to table as a concept right so as much as possible maybe we need to see that in most of our cafeterias or you know uh, you know the kind of foods that has to be there has to come from places with foods that are grown close by like i was saying the other thing of course is to try and bring in a little bit of a connect to the outdoors to a lot of these places so that you tend to like kind of get out and have foods which you know out in the open and in natural light for instance rather than sitting in closed atmospheres and i wanted to put it out there and then this is something that you know we've kind of lost the art of like pen paper heart connection and i'm saying that because nowadays a lot of us are very much digitally connected and pretty much everything we do is literally looking at you know at a screen and then when we draw 
especially architects like us. What we do is like we're drawing directly on a digital platform. So I, so I think one of the things that we are losing out on is that passionate touch to the work that we do. So putting pen to paper, it feels like a part of me is being transferred. In fact, this is someone that was talking about it and it really kind of rung a lot, uh, uh, rung a tone with me because I feel like every time we put something down on paper and we're sketching it out, there is that energy that is transferred onto the paper. And that makes a huge difference to the way the project comes out. And this literally is something that, uh, you know, is uh, from a sketch, how it can be transferred to something like this. It's quite exciting to see it come out this way. And it can only do that if you have put passion and energy into the work that you're doing. There's always a question on the way your work is being done. And we tend to wonder, we sit um, inside conference rooms a lot and we are constantly uh, uh, falling sick or we don't have that connect to the outside. And this was another question that came up during the pandemic, right? Here is a New York Times report. In fact, very recently it came out saying, say goodbye to the boring conference room. Thank God. We are starting to think about things like this. And there are companies like LinkedIn. They're actually taking their meeting rooms out of the conference rooms into the outside. And you know, this is this is a very beneficial for people, most, most of us really to get some fresh air during the day, get out, breathe in some air, look at the sun, and that's another way of getting energy. Probably this is the way we should be going, right? Back to our traditional way of work, which is nature-inspired spatial solutions. And traditionally, this is what, again, something that we used to do. We used to sit outside and we used to, our grandparents and parents, if you see that, most in most villages, in fact, if you go, this is the way meetings are held under a tree. Right. And then you see that happening now. There's a lot more people getting outside. They're talking about the fact that, you know, there is no play anymore and uh, and how amenity spaces are now increasing in a lot of corporate office campuses so that you're getting people out of your uh, you're getting people out of their offices into areas like this and it's okay there was a time when i think employers used to look at uh, the employees playing and they think they're not doing any work but now this is a lot more accepted form and in fact it's really good for them to get out into places like this right so connecting with the community and then ensuring that user experience is looked at is like big in most of the projects that we are seeing right now and that is really a good thing so the designs are changing and i think people are starting to think very differently now and that's a good sign if you ask me and 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 of course most of our projects also i think we're looking at things like engaging with communities and engaging with artists it's no longer like just things that we just put up on the walls but there's a lot more community engagement in the way art is being done and also engaging with local artisans you know giving the giving work uh, giving work back to them and giving them some form of like uh, uh, you know giving them work Coming to this topic, which is universal universal design, okay? This is something that um, in terms of an equitable, inclusive approach to workplace design, we never used to even talk about this topic just a few years back, but now it's become such a big deal. And it's not just about diversity or inclusion, it's also about belonging. So how best can we ensure that we bring in a lot of neurodiverse, uh, you know, workplaces and this again is 
taking into consideration, you know, the fact that there is this community living that used to happen traditionally. And maybe that has to come back into the workplace and we need to throw hierarchy out of the window, right? So again, this must be a picture that makes one very happy. Wellness is something that, you know, we, we should be looking a little more deeper into. And then the other way is, of course, to look into nature to inform design, connecting with nature, uh, looking at biophilic design and, and so on and so forth. So why am I talking about that? Because what I'm seeing nowadays, and I think a lot of us are seeing in many of our projects, is the way nature is informing the way we are designing our interiors and our workplaces. We as architects have work that are very interesting, but I also, you know, looked at work that is like being done all across the globe, because I think it's very important for us to start getting inspired from stories like this. If you look at what we are trying to do, it's not just about the building. It's just about how can we ensure that we give a place that is taking care of the human or the life that is working within workplace. I'm talking with regard to workplace because that's what I do. I'm a workplace architect. So these are the kind of things that, you know, challenges the way we uh, do our projects and, you know, work on a lot of our projects. So maybe this is the way we need to start thinking about all of our future projects, right? We have to look at an economy that is circular which means we don't throw anything away, but then we bring that back into manufacturing and someday we use everything that is out there. So coming back to our uh, firm, which is Thomas itself and the way we practice architecture, right? So when we are looking at a lot of our projects, it's all about how best can we connect with nature and how can nature inform the way we are doing a lot of our projects. Well, going more towards workplaces, this is the kind of thing that we are seeing in terms of bringing in uh, a neurodiverse workforce, a workforce that has different ways of working. Some are introverts, some are extroverts. So like, you know, ensuring that the community is looked after and their wellness is taken care of as well, bringing in some amount of biophilia into the workplace. Here's the good news. I think we're going in the right direction. And, but we can definitely kind of take back from stories of existing houses. So there are so many lessons that we can take from places like this and live, you know, sit with your family out here and actually have a beautiful conversation and you really don't need much of a fan. <laughs> Coming to this last topic that I wanted to talk about because I thought this was important to touch upon. This is a project called Grandmother's Wisdom Project. They're talking about 13 grandmothers. They're literally kind of all across the globe who are talking to each other, uh, who are talking about bringing in, you know, wisdom that was lost or is getting lost if they don't bring it out into the open. So here are some of the people that are trying to make a huge difference to the way we are seeing or living our lives or designing and uh, so on and so forth. So by being conscious designers, I think we can make a huge difference. And this honestly is a session for me, for all of us to start thinking. And that is me included, right? There is a lot of talk, but it's about time we started doing something about it. Thank you for tuning in to this interesting episode. You can learn more about this topic by visiting the Signify Lighting Academy. We are also proud to have a big repository of lectures on the lighting domain and sustainability, much like this one. You can sign up for free and find out about upcoming lectures. Signify Talks is a podcast series of lectures from the greatest thinkers and innovators in the world of lighting. This is edited by the Signify Lighting Academy. On behalf of Signify, we wish you a brighter life and a better world.